board eventually, but... Um, Let's do it. Let's get into it. <coughs> who knows what we're going to talk about. Griff threatened that if you, if you couldn't show up because you couldn't get on, that I should go rando style and just talk for an hour. And I said, no, thank you. Oh, no, that gets out of control. That gets weird. <laughs> well, then you go the other way and you turn into you, who, who like his entire life was just podcasting into the void. Oh my God, that, uh, I think about that when I was, you know, when he mentioned, hey, you want to fill in? I'm like, man, I haven't done it in a while. I kind of miss it. I haven't, you know, I've had life experience that, you know, I could probably, I haven't had an outlet for. Yeah, boy. And you start going down that rabbit hole of what uh, what our lives look like. Man, yeah, that was rough. That was, <laughs> I, was, I was in deep. I was in deep. You got anyway. out the other side, unlike Scott Whitney. Yeah, we made, oh, <laughs> That he makes me sad every now and then. He's like, hey, check out this video of my new studio. I'm like, studio, bro. Come on. No one gives a shit. Have a look at my sweet studio behind me. That looks good. Yeah. Oh, let's go. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony. Well, my friend from the Isle of Man, in this case, is very wrong, because there is no Griff today. Um, and also, I think he's wrong in general. I don't think we've got warm voices. But uh, I do have a special guest, because Griff is off partying Doing rails of coke off strippers. I believe that's what he's doing. I'm not sure. I didn't ask, but that sounds like something he'd do. But we do have a special guest for you. And did you want to introduce yourself? We're getting the band back together. Uh, although, listen, if we were a band, you'd be Slash, who went back and, uh, you know, joined Velvet Revolver. And then I'd be Axel Rose, who just got fat and tried to convince twenty-year-olds that he wrote November Rain. Uh, but it's good to—it's good to talk to you again, buddy. It's been a long time. It has been. It would have been almost twelve months. It's been a while since you've been on this show. I'm not going to introduce myself because I still, even though I've been out of podcasting now for like a solid four or five years, uh, I just assume everybody's going to know who I am. So I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Should I even say your name? Should people try and You guess? probably should. You, you probably should because okay. I'm also realistic enough to know that nobody uh, probably does know who I am. Well, opposite me in the virtual space, we've got Brian Mohica. I, I believe that's how his name's pronounced. I believe he was corrected <laughs> into how his name was pronounced. That's an old bit. <laughs> wow, that, you dusted that baby off. That was good, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So how have you been, buddy? It's been a long time since you've been on this show, and it's been, what, 10 years since we've done This Ain't Iowa? feels that way. I was actually, I was doing a little bit of the math. Yeah? I think you and I have known each other virtually, mostly, but uh, known each other for like 15, 16 years now? Yeah, that would be about right. And the only listener that we probably got from that time is PMAC. Don't know whether you remember P Mac from the My Sport. The Radio I do. Days. He's he, he's an Aussie guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it has. It's it's been a while. You know, I was uh, every now and then I'll get a uh, a text or a social media message from like an old TAI 
listener just kind of checking in and uh, they'll always say like, man, you guys were so far ahead of the curve. Like, don't you ever wish you had just kind of stuck with it? And the answer is no, because I don't think we would have evolved with the times. <laughs> yeah. At least I wouldn't have. Like, well, I mean, but towards the end, like video was a fucking thing and you brought it up a lot. And I'm like, nah, I don't know how to do that. And I don't feel like learning. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think we would have been more irrelevant if, uh, if we had stuck around longer. I, I think you're right. I don't think we should have stuck around because, let's be honest, you and I know how that thing ended. It, it wasn't particularly yeah. fun. For those that don't know, Brian and I had a podcast that I produced for a number of years before becoming a co-host called This Ain't Iowa. It was about Las Vegas. It was reasonably successful, but we were probably too early into the podcasting space. And by the time we were done, which was, what? It, how long did we do it? That was about eight years, wasn't it? I mean, I think we kicked it off in uh, in 2006, I think is when we very, very first started yeah. it. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, we wrapped it up in what? Yeah, 16. So, yeah, I think, I think right around eight years. Yeah. So um, we had a long stretch. It was at times a great joy to do. But by the same token, by the end, as, as Brian can attest to, we were absolutely burnt out and it was time to do something else. Um, and we did other podcasts just for fun, but we were burnt out. What I would say is rather than worry... Jesus. Classic Brian making noise in the background. Sorry. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> Dogs? I'm, I'm on a headset, and it's been so long since I've like worn a headset that I'm like whipping my head around. <laughs> it's rubbing against my shoulder. I'm, it's a real amateur hour over here. See, if I was the <laughs> anyway, father, I would edit that shit out, but I'm not the pod father. <laughs> um, so that shit's going to stand. But what I was going to say is it would have been nice if we would have actually been in the podcast scene maybe two years later because I, I feel like we were ahead of the curve in that way and our show, when it was at its peak, was probably a couple of years too early for where where we could have grown to. But I, I didn't you know, want to do it any longer. That's Yeah, I mean, you're, you're correct on that. You know what I – the one thing I do think about is my whole original – like wish when I got into podcasting was to do a comedy podcast. Yep. That's what I always wanted to do. Like before satellite radio was a thing, before podcasts were a thing, like I had this dream, this idea of like an all comedy, you know, at that point it was radio station, right? And I'm like, why couldn't they do that? You know, they have rock radio and classic radio, like they have all these other things. They could do a, a comedy radio. So, you know, uh, I started with, when I started my sports radio, Yes, I did a poker show and I did a sports betting show. I didn't really know enough about either of those things to do anything about, you know, with it. But I always had this idea, like, I, I just want an in because I would really love to do this comedy show. And then I got, uh, you know, I got a comedy show for a little bit on that one. And then you and I did one for a while. And I really loved it and I was really proud of it. But I want to talk about too early. Like, yeah. I couldn't get guests because nobody knew, like, I, I'm trying to tell them that it's internet radio. They don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, getting them to call in, that you know, it was, was difficult. Like, it was really, we were definitely too early for that. 
And that one burns me because now every motherfucking comedian has a podcast and all they do is bring their comedian friends on and talk about comedy. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, like I actually did do this before all of you did this. Yep. Uh, but uh, that's, so that one burns me. TAI, I think we ran it. We, we, we made that probably more successful than it probably should have been. Yep. I am proud of, of a lot of what we did, uh, but we quit that at the right time. But that comedy podcast, that one, that one eats at me a little bit. Now, there are so many comedy podcasts, talk shows, whatever you, the fuck you want to call them. What is the one that like drives you crazy that it's become successful or has like a, a even a middling audience? You're just like that is a piece of shit. Ooh, oh man! I mean, almost almost any podcast just hosted by a comedian. Yep that uh, that doesn't really have a format. That's just like. Hey, I'm a comedian. These, this guy's a comedian, and we're just gonna sit here and talk. Those, those bother me because, I, uh, first of all, they all make money, they all build fan bases, and they, uh, they don't even have like a real, you know, like a real point of view, a real, you know what I mean? Like it's just bullshitting. Yep. And again, I think we were, <laughs> we, we were on the, the early stages of bull. Yeah, we were ahead of the curve on just bullshitting with no topics. Um. So all of those are annoying, even by comics that I like respect and I really like, like it still bothers me uh, that they, you know, that they're doing it. I think the one, the, the one that makes me mad and he's not even that popular anymore, but when Marin started doing WTF, yep, that is the early, early episodes of WTF. It, it kind of went on to become sort of bigger than comedy, but the early couple years of WTF were literally fucking exactly what my show was designed to be like really grimy inside let people see behind like what goes into to stand up and touring and putting an act like that one made me mad because I'm like fuck dude like this is and Marin obviously had a bigger name than me but not that much <laughs> like he wasn't <laughs> super famous at that time no. his career had definitely fizzled out he knew a lot more people because obviously he had been doing it 20 years longer than I had, but that, so, so yeah, that, that made me mad in a different way. That made me jealous, mad. The other ones are just annoying. Fair enough. So where do you stand on somebody like Rogan, who is essentially like just parlayed his fame into being rich and a douchebag? My, my issue with Rogan is, uh, at, first of all, like I, I've just never been a big fan of his standup, which is fine. Like whatever, uh, he wouldn't. He probably wouldn't be a big fan of mine. Are you and it's saying fine. you're not a huge fan uh, of bro comedy? It's just it's not it's not for me. Even before he became super famous, he had some stuff out there, and it's just not uh, it's not it's not my deal. Which is fine. But but what bothers me, and I, I do catch like clips of his because he has comics that I do really like on. Uh, so sometimes I'll you know uh, I'll catch like clips of his stuff. How he has somehow angled himself as this like deity. He's he's somehow convinced people that he's more than just a fucking dumb comic. Like people go to him for, you know, spiritual advice, medical advice, political advice. He is he doesn't know anything about any of that shit. He's a nope. fucking comedian. Yep. So how he somehow like angled himself and doesn't really seem to refute it. Like he just went all in. I, I, I get that he didn't like 
build himself up like you all need to follow me like a weird cult leader. But the second people started doing it, he's like, okay, I'll fucking roll with this. That's yeah. fine. And uh, that's, uh, that to me is, is really, really weird. Now, I don't even know how much comedy he does these days. You might be on top of that. I'm not sure. But to me, he, he just seems to have become really insular as a lot of gurus become like he's sort of a modern version of like the, the Indian gurus that the Beatles went and saw, but rather than having these private communes and spewing bad advice to like megastars, he's got this huge audience that he spews bad advice to as this sort of wannabe guru. Well, that's the thing. And uh, I mean, I'm sure he still does comedy sometimes. Like, again, I don't, I don't follow his, stand up so I don't know how much he's out there doing um, but I think you're right I think that he, he's reached a weird point where why would he go out and do stand up yep. and risk being shitty and embarrassing himself when he has his own little he actually has a compound like yep. they like people very famous people travel to his compound do his show and all these people listen and love it he can edit it and so like i you know uh i i get it like do that it's the it's the eddie murphy philosophy right like eddie murphy was one of the greatest comedians of all time as a fucking teenager and then he became this mega star movie star and then everyone's like yeah but you were one of the best comics ever why don't you do stand-up and he's you know and in his mind he's like well why would i fucking do stand-up like what yeah. if i'm shitty at it yep. <laughs> well, i don't want to i don't want to be shitty i'm i'm very wealthy and famous so uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of got that vibe to it yeah how do you write material that people connect with at that point because like rogan's in that top one percent eddie murphy would have been in that top one percent they're living lives that that we as regular people i don't think can fully comprehend i think that's a great point uh seinfeld actually once that he said success is the death of comedy like once you become super successful uh oh my wife is here she you can't see her but she can see you she wants to she wanted to say hi hi looking good tony looking good she says you're looking good i'm sure you're looking good as well i can't say the same for brian i can't see his face but no doubt he's a train wreck as per usual yeah i uh, i don't i don't look good she still looks incredible I uh, I don't know exactly how it's been happening, but uh, nope, that's still a mystery. Uh, yeah, at least all I know is I hit the over like ten years ago, yeah, so I'm just gonna keep uh, figuring it out. You and Griff. I just keep showing up. I just keep showing up. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Uh, anyway, so uh, I I do think that once you stop, um, you know, kind of being hungry and suffering and like you know having these weird experiences coming up. It's got to be incredibly difficult to write material. And I think we're going to start seeing the results of that because uh, most of the comics you see, Netflix has made a lot of comics incredibly wealthy. Yeah. Um, and a lot of comics, by the way, that I like. So I think Tom Segura is great. I think Nate Bergazzi is great. Like uh, Taylor Tomlinson is great. Like these are these are really good comics that are kind of, you know, cranking out specials every 18 months or so but at some point like you get these people too successful where where's it where's it gonna go you know what i mean yep. even you know you and i were kind of chatting uh briefly before we started about dave Chappelle, who i believe is the greatest comedian who's ever lived um 
we're starting to see, and I am a, I am a Chappelle defender. Okay, like what, like all the shit that that you know he was getting about the trans stuff and and stuff like that. Like I'm a defender uh, of him in that regard. What I'm not a defender of is you're the greatest comedian of all time. You don't have to talk about the same topic for like four consecutive specials. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I think we're getting into a weird zone where. Like he is, he's so big and he's so rich and he's so popular that I think like the the realm of stuff for him to pull from comes smaller. So the reason he talked about trans shit four specials in a row is because he did it the first time and there was this huge backlash. So all of that became his world, right? All of that backlash became his world. So he talked about it again regarding the backlash and then he got more backlash. So he's just, it's just feeding this monster and he's not having more and other experiences. So that's why we keep coming back to the same. Well, and uh, I, I do, I do think that there's something to it that uh, the more successful you get, like it just, you kind of have to become less funny. I feel like, well, it actually takes me back in time to um, somebody that, in some ways paralleled Chappelle, and that's Richard Pryor. Do you think mm-hmm. he, he, part of, like, forget about the issues that Pryor had, do you think part of his meltdown was him needing to blow shit up to get another career? And, and maybe Chappelle did that early when he did his, his, when he walked away from success and went to Africa. I think so, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, it was, it was funny. I was listening to... Um, after Norm passed away, I went down like a whole Norm rabbit hole, of course. And uh, he was on maybe Howard's turn. I don't remember exactly. But somebody asked him like, hey, like, you know, you see these comics that are getting all these specials. Like, why don't you do more specials? Is it just hard generating the material or what? And he was – and again, turns out he had cancer for a decade but didn't <laughs> tell anybody. But uh, but he's like, no, material's not a problem for me. He's like, I got a lot of it. He's like, but he actually said – he went back to Richard Pryor. He's like, Richard Pryor was the greatest comedian that ever lived. And he did three specials. And one of them was just kind of okay. He's like, so if the greatest guy to ever do it did three, yep. why would I do seven? You know what I mean? And I think that, that the reason Richard only did three uh, is, be, is, is that reason. I, I, don't, I, I feel like he was more self-aware than comics today are where, where he's like, I just like, he was so groundbreaking. Yep. He's like, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I have more jokes, but what am I saying? Right. I'm not breaking any new ground here. This isn't as, as dangerous as it used to be as, as important as it used to be. So like, why, you know, why, why do it? And, uh, most comics don't, don't have that filter. No. They're just like, you want to pay me some more? Yeah. I'll fuck yeah, you got it. No problem. I'll, I'll fucking sausage grind out another hour of mediocre shit. Uh, but by the same token, not everybody's creative in the same way. Like you can talk about Pryor having th- three specials and and two were magnificent, sort of that Beatles esque type career. But then you've got somebody else who's more like the Stones, who just didn't know when to give it up and still cranked out good shit from time to time. With Carlin, like there's no doubt that he's early career was much stronger than his later stuff, but there was still some bagging jokes in those later specials. 
Yeah, and I, and I respect that too. Like, I, I'm a huge Carlin fan, and I, I actually say his very last special was probably, like, in the top three or four for me of specials he ever did. Now, the three before that were real bad. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, if you've dedicated your whole life to it, and that's your deal, like, you got to keep trying at least. Uh, And Carlin was a guy that also didn't have another avenue. Like, yeah, he was in a couple of movies. He had a sitcom for a minute, but that guy was a comedian. And if he wasn't, you know, being a comedian, he wasn't doing much of anything else. That's, that's right. And that's what I was going to say. Perhaps in this generation, perhaps he would dial it back to once every 18 months with Netflix as an outlet and with other outlets like podcasting where you don't need to become a Hollywood star to have success or become a TV star like a, a Larry the Cable Guy. Well, not Larry the Cable Guy, um, but whoever else that moved into TV, Tim Allen, whoever else you want to talk about that um, yeah. had a stand-up career and move laterally. There, there are ways now where you can still be primarily a stand-up in that sort of like... <coughs> Like, not stratospheric range, but sort of like megastar comic that um, has have their podcast. They have their own hustle. And it's not just being a road dog like a Carlin, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. You know what it is? It's a fucking podcast. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> they start doing podcasts. And if you, if you just – listen. Okay. Kind of stepping away from stand-up, which, you know, I, I – I, Still do it from time to time, but it's not my my you know my primary uh, you know uh, uh, force as yeah. I wake up every morning like it used to be for me. So being able to step back, um, I, I've been able to kind of come to terms with a lot of the stuff that made me really upset back in the day. So if I look at a guy like Dane Cook, okay, yeah. who at his height, I like everybody else in the comedy world was so angry at, but what he did was essentially. Break the ground for what is happening now, which is if you can just find a way to connect with your fans, you can just self-generate, right? So, yep. you know, you 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 do, you know, back in I think he I think he literally started on MySpace, but that's how you yeah know, he far was back the MySpace comedian. So he he started on MySpace. And just was literally connected with fans one-on-one. If they messaged him, he'd message back and stuff like that. So he connected with fans. He built a fan base. That fan base went to see him live. And then, you know, the people that saw him live would then connect with him online. So he just kept building and building and building until he was enormous. And then now, of course, you know, that star, as generally happens, kind of faded a little bit. He still does stand-up and he's still doing fine. Don't feel bad for Dane Cook. He's no. doing fine. But he's he's not selling out an arena anymore, you know, a fucking, you know, the Boston Garden or whatever. So, uh, you know, he he sort of built that template and that is what's happening now. So you get a lot of comics that are, you know, are known because of, you know, some shit that they've done on social media and that is enough to sustain them. It's enough of a name to get people to come see them. Like, I don't want to brag, but uh, when I was at the height of TAI, I had uh, eight people come to see me at a comedy club in Washington State. Now, yes, five of those people came with with one with Y2K, but uh, <laughs> well, there were still uh, you know three other people that uh, that joined me as well. So if you can do it, then then that's good. But even as annoyed as I get, 
like again, one of the things that I've come to terms with as I've stepped back from it is good for fucking them, man. Like it's yeah. so hard. It's so hard. Like almost nobody can uh, can actually sustain a career doing stand up anymore. Uh, so if you can figure out some fucking niche to get people to come see you and you can pay bills and, and this can be your job, then good for you. Like you beat the odds. Yeah. I don't give a fuck how you did it. Congratulations. Well, it's, it's hard. As long as you don't Carlos Mencer it and, and start hacking people. Like that. Well, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying maybe he didn't go as far as the brouhaha at the time, but, but you watch comics that, that hack other people and that while they're still hustling an audience, they're not hustling on their own merits, if that makes sense. Like I understand that perhaps the reaction with with doing that is over the top at times, but it's still sacred for a reason. I agree. And and you know, weirdly enough, like I think social media is terrible for the most part, but yep. one of the one of the advantages it has done for for comedy specifically is it's become a lot harder to become successful as a hack because there's so many ways to get busted. Yep. Everyone's got their shit out there. So if you're out there just biting people and trying to make a career or ripping other people off, you're going to get found out if there's going to be clips. So uh, if anything, like that's actually, I think, gone down. The success of, of out-and-out hacks has, has gone has gone down. And I think it's actually calmed a lot around that as well because now you see a lot of comics that will come up with the same take independently and you can see that the skilled ones will evolve that joke or will just do it once and get rid of it because you can have the same thought process as another comic can come essentially to the same punchline without hacking them, if that makes sense, especially around current issues. We see that a lot where, where somebody will have a take and then somebody will have exactly the same take independently of one another. Um, and I think back in the day that stuff was called out as being a, a hack where it's just really not working hard enough on your, on your craft or being talented enough. The worst time to be a comedian was right after that first wave of COVID lockdowns when shit started opening up again. Oh, because it was just a nightmare of lockdown jokes, mask jokes, Tiger King jokes. Like it was fucking awful. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but again, like if we're all experiencing the same shit, we're you know how many variations of the same stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, can everybody have? But yeah. just one last comic bit before we move on. Um, I was going to say, do I have to talk about beer at any point? Because uh, <laughs> I know less about that. But go ahead. What do you think about uh, the judgment against Bill Hicks that we've had recently? I don't know whether you know about this conspiracy theory or not. No, tell me. That Bill Hicks is still alive and he goes by the name <laughs> Alex Jones. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Like, uh, if 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 you were to tell me Bill Hicks was pulling like a Stephen Colbert and was doing like a full on character, yep, you could almost sell me on that. You could almost sell me on it. I know, but, uh, but the right wing <laughs> shitheads don't look at it that way. They look at um, Hicks as being this like 
deity, like not just as a comedy genius, but as as this amazing thinker. I, I he is is up there for me. He might not be for you, but like those last couple of sets when he was really a shell of himself physically, where he didn't give a fuck, was some of the rawest yeah. bits of comedy you will ever see anywhere in the world. Um, but they oh, for sure. they hold him as a god, as a thinker, and I think that's really dangerous with, with stand-up comics, and it leads you to think like Alex Jones and, and to, to conspiritualise like thinking. It's, it's kind of amazing. And, well, people, people cherry-pick, right? So that's, yeah. the, that's the whole funny part of it, right? Like I've seen um, very conservative people on social media post Carlin stuff because, you know, Carlin was a free speech guy and he would have hated things like cancel culture and political correctness and things like that. So they, they post that. Fine. But you know he hated you like a lot. Yes. Like that's that's the part that I don't think everybody gets. Like, <laughs> it's fine if you want to. You saw this one, you know, clip or this one excerpt written down, and you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, Carlin's my guy. I'm like, no, Carlin is not your guy. Uh, he he fucking hated you. Uh, so it's it, it's I don't know. We're 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 in such a weird place, you know, where everyone's just looking for. Uh, and I think especially. When it comes to right-wing people looking for allies in the arts, it just doesn't exist very, you know, as as well, easily. We do have um, one. So I easy. Oh, <laughs> they love it. By the way, oh yay, yay! Really, just has given them everything they want, and of course he's. It's completely insane, and that uh, they're just being like, "Yeah, but come on, white lives matter." Um, so he, uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, so I, we're, yeah, we're just in a weird place where if 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 anybody, if any part of what anybody has ever done, uh, you know, f- you feel like it defends your insane position, you kind of just jump all over it. But you know, it's uh, it's a sad state of affair. But I would love it. I would. I mean, I, you know. Selfishly, I also happen to think Bill Hicks is, you know, one of the ten greatest comedians of all time, and I would love to just kind of hear like his voice right now. But I don't think it would sound like Alex Jones. But also, maybe like some <laughs> version of that it would be. I mean, yeah. But like you were saying about Hicks, it's, it was just one aspect of a greater commentary that he was making. music is and it goes on for way too long when I made this I didn't realise how long it went on for that's why I'm talking over the top of it but, uh, I mean, give a guy a heads up that you're going to start playing some kind of weird psychedelic fucking music <laughs> no because I know you hate this shit and we just use it to break the show up for no good reason other than to sort of poke, poke fun at like radio with the with like I've got the ability to press buttons all the time and like even in Australia like radio become like just just putting in these snippets of like clips and and breaks for no reason. So I like doing it. How long? How long have How long have you guys been doing this show? Uh, been a while. Three years, I think. I think it's three years. We're coming up on. Oh my god! How many episodes deep are we? Um, we're one hundred and twenty-three. This will be at least on my numbering system. And we know how inconsistent my numbering system actually <laughs> is because we got bonus shows in there, and then we got fuck up posts and oh. 
where I where yeah. I, I post the wrong show. It's it's a disaster my numbering system. But this is normally what's considered beer of the week. I'm just going to bring up my beer of the week, right. and then I'm Fine. going to give you some thinking time to think about your drink of the last month, three months. How long you want? I have it already. Oh, well, I'm, you I'm ready when you're after you. I I got something going. Okay, well, mine is an unpronounceable barrel-aged stout that I got um, at my Great. local IGA. IGA, of course, stands for Independent Grocers of <coughs> Australia. Not Okay. Because <laughs> I know you have IGA in America, same logo and everything. But um, it was by Good Times Brewing. It was the first barrel-aged stout I've ever had from them. It's an absolute banger. So if their barrel-aged program um, continues down this track, it's going to be it's going to be a good brewery. Okay. Um, well, I am uh, I'm actually sipping on my uh, my current favorite drink right now, which is a uh, it's also local. It's from a local Las Vegas distillery, and it's a uh, it's called Smoke Wagon Bourbon. Uh, it's it's great. It's it's sort of middle priced, um, but a lot of flavor, uh, while not being obnoxious. So uh, I highly recommend it. I guess they've actually gotten a little bit of success, and they've kind of branched out into into neighboring states. If you can find it, Smoke Wagon uh, is uh, is my current favorite uh, liquor of choice. Super cool bottle, by the way. I just looked it up. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. do some good stuff. So are you just, I can't see you. Are you having it on the rocks? Are you having it neat? What's your... I'm having it neat with, uh, uh, I've, it's a good thing that we haven't uh, been talking as regularly as we used to because everything I used to make fun of everybody about, I'm now doing. Uh, I'm having it with a, uh, a dehydrated orange. I now dehydrate my own orange. I do too. To, for for my uh, for my cocktail garnishes, so I'm having yeah, it's just I'm having a neat with a with a dehydrated orange in it. Um, I'm doing a lot of uh, obnoxious shit. I got this mini barrel, so I could barrel oh, no. age cocktails. No, yeah. it's not. mini. Like it sits it sits on a table. It's not like a, I don't have a weird tap in a back room or something. It sits I realize on a table. that, but come on, this is you. You yeah. used to make fun of me for all this kind of shit. Oh. I'm a disaster. Uh, I remember, this is again, we're talking years ago. The first time I met one of our longtime TAI listeners, uh, EAA, great guy, love yep. that guy, still still chat with him from time to time. But uh, he, uh, the first time I ever met him, he invited me to join him for a drink at the Cosmopolitan here in Las Vegas. Yep. And he's like, yeah, meet me at the Vesper Bar. And I'm like, okay. And so I went to the Vesper Bar and he starts talking about how he's really into craft cocktails and like he makes his own at home. He's got a bar. He makes his own at home. And boy, did I fucking make fun of him for a while. And now I'm dehydrating oranges <laughs> and barrel aging my craft cocktails. So I, uh, I, at least I admit that I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, but <laughs> I at least, you know, I have a point of view. <laughs> so I, w- I was going to actually move on to, to my new hobby, and I was hoping that you were going to make fun of me for it. You probably still will. Oh, right. Hold on. Let me, let me, see, let me see if I can give me – what genre is the hobby? Is it food and drink? Is it art? Is it Food what? and drink. It is food and drink. Right. Um, and okay. it's because there is a essentially a, f- a desert of this particular style of 
Food. We'll even go straight into food. Food. Okay. Food. All right. Um, so are you – is it something that you are like – making yourself or is it yes. like a product that you buy oh you're making it yourself yes is it a fermentation process yes well a part oh of boy. it is yeah is it like what was that you am i yeah it's it oh sorry is it like kimchi are you involved in the kimchi game i'm not involved in the kimchi game okay um tell me it's a food that I'm very fond of. I had a lot of it with you in Vegas. Um, it's more famous. It, well, Americans think it's an American food. The European country where it comes from, they think they invented it. Any closer? Burgers? No. I mean, what are we? Pizza. What are we talking about? We're talking about oh, pizza. Oh, of course. Okay. All right, so listen, I make my own pizza dough, but I have a feeling that you're doing it on an uncomfortable level. Well, are you familiar with the uni ovens? No. Okay. Oh, boy. No. Double O-N-I. Look it up right now. You've got a computer in front of you. You can, you can Google it at the same time. It's a wood and charcoal-fired pizza oven. It gets up to margarita temperatures, so 900 degrees in your freedom units or 500 degrees Celsius everywhere else in the world. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Did you purchase this or did you build one of these? No, you no. It, it. it was actually gifted to me. So, um, okay. But I've, I've been eyeing it for a long, long time. So there are wood wow. pizza oven. I make my own pizza dough, <clears throat> much like you do. Um, I, of course, I, I, take the process to like a two-day level where I make a starter and then make my pizza dough and let it ferment. No, I'm not involved in that. But, no, you, you say that, but it makes life so much easier. If you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have pizza Friday night, on on the the Wednesday night it takes you like literally two minutes to make a starter. It's just yeast, flour and water in equal right. quantities with the flour and water and a tiny bit of yeast. And then the next day you make your dough and... Then you just let it rest in the fridge. That's it. There's actually less stressful than just making it that day. Because what do you make it six hours ahead? I'll usually make it. Yeah. So I, I started in the morning, but I don't. I don't cold rise mine. I leave it. You know, uh, at room temp. on the counter. Yeah. At room temp. Uh, so yeah, I started in the morning, and then when I'm ready to go, it's it's about yeah. So I'd say probably a ten. An eight to ten hour. Yeah. See, yeah. We're, we're just breaking the time up differently. And that's the thing, as you'll attest to, like, Jesus Christ, your microphone is making white noise at the moment. Oh. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Got to stop moving my head. Yeah. But what I was going to say is you'll attest to this. It sounds like there's a lot of work in pizza dough because there's a lot of time just sitting around doing nothing. Like, it does all the work by itself. It's just a matter of, like, that's coming true. up with a basic ratio and just letting the yeast and the gluten do its thing. There's, there's nothing technical on that end of the, the scale. But I really love the Italian-style margarita pizzas. I don't know where you stand on what your favourite pizza is, um, but I really like the, the thin, flexible, puffy and crunchy thing all at the same time. That's, that's sort of my jam, and we have nothing like that around here. But um, So that's why... And you've got a whole bunch of static on your microphone at the moment. Um, oh, I, I'm not even moving. 
You're still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. You good? Yes, we are now. You, you better? Made a whole bunch of crunchy sounds and, and you're back. But as I was saying, I really like that Neapolitan-style pizza. Um, I haven't had a lot of New York-style pizza to even delve into that. But that, like, we have a lot of that um, Neapolitan-style in Australia. We have a lot in Melbourne that I've had that, that's great. And this is the only way to do it at home, really, is to have one of these ovens. And um, they work really, really well. So that, that's sort of my hobby. Any questions? Oh my God. Well, when you say that's sort of my hobby, like let's not pretend you have one hobby. No. I feel no. like you're involved in several hobbies. Of course. You, you've um, got to stay busy. But I mean, listen, I respect it. I love pizza. I love Neapolitan style pizza. If somebody gave me one of these ovens, I mean, I would probably be excited, but I also don't know that I would make a whole lifestyle built around this fucking oven. Well, um, this is the thing about hobbies. They don't have to become the centre of your life. I'm making pizza once a week. Let's be clear about that. And I'm making enough for that one meal. Uh, but I just like to do a little bit of research when I've got spare time rather than just find some um, shit on YouTube that I'm not really interested in. I'll try and find a pizza video. That's that's what I consider a hobby. It's probably not as in depth as you think, but um, it's kind of like I prefer your to think of it. Uh, I prefer to think of it the way I'm thinking of it, where you've devoted your whole life to this. But uh, all right, fine. Well, hey, uh, speaking of stuff in Australia, we yeah. can come back to the point of the show. But I, Kurt, I don't know that I've ever asked you this. What is the strip club situation in Australia? I don't know what the modern strip club situation is, but back in the day when I was living in Melbourne, um, there was quite a few strip clubs in King Street, um, which has become a non-nightclub area in Melbourne, and they all used to be clustered together. We used to have the Peppermint Hippo, um, Goldfingers, uh, Bar 20, <laughs> um, and, and they all used to be clustered together, and, and they were great fun. And we had back rooms, but in Australia it was... Alcohol and bottomless in the private rooms. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you can definitely take that. So compared to what you experienced when you came here, you would say that the the situation in Australia was superior. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Well, it depends. <laughs> when you're with a whole bunch, group of guys, that's a fun time. I think when you're going by yourself, that's, that's a sad time. And, and I think well, I think I had uh, I, I think I told this story before, but one of the I, I've I've never been like a full in strip club guy. I've enjoyed it the times I've gone, but I've also never like craved it. There was one point where I felt like it was a tipping point in my uh, in my life, where I was uh, you know I was just kind of getting separated from my first wife, and it had been kind of a while, you know, since any. Anybody had gotten involved with me, and I uh, I went to a strip club with uh, a great friend of our old show, uh, yep. Peanut. Uh, he took me to Treasures, and it was uh, there was a few of us there, and he just happened to spot a lady that he thought I would like, and boy did he fucking nail it! So, you know, he pays her a couple of bucks to like take me off to the side. It wasn't a backroom situation, but yep. we were there on a Monday night. 
uh, so it wasn't that crowded. And so she just kind of took me to a, like a, an area on the floor and she did, you know, a handful of dances for me. And long story short, I had an accident, uh, in my pants and it was, you know, the, the, again, cause I was going through a uh, marital problem. So it's the first time a lady had, uh, you know, uh, brought me to that point. So, uh, whatever, we had a nice time. Uh, the second I was done, I was like, you can stop dancing. This is no longer uh, interesting <laughs> to me. Uh, but I, the, the next week, so, you know, we wrapped up that night. I went home the next week. It was a Monday and it's after, you know, work and I'm driving home and I'm like, maybe I just swing back by treasures and see if that lady's there again. <laughs> and I didn't do it, but man, I feel like if I had, my whole Ooh. life would have gone in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. You were, you were, you were, that's like this, almost like a, a drug addiction to strippers. That, that would have been a, a sad place to be. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I've always been to strip clubs with a group of people. Even in Melbourne, it was always with a bunch of mates and we would go out and we would go to strip clubs. In Vegas, it was always the same. I'm not sure whether I'm a guy for going to a strip club alone. It's um, because, uh-uh. it, like, part of the fun that we had, of course, was finding the most horrendous stripper, which you, of course, won, and forcing other people to get <laughs> dances from them. That chick almost took my chair down. That was a that was a big old lady. Um, I will tell you. That, so I haven't gone. I have gone one, to a strip club one time since our last Taikon, uh, and it was a weird situation where we had my wife and I had met some friends at this Mexican restaurant, which happened to be attached to Sapphire's Gentlemen's Club, and it's actually a pretty good Mexican restaurant. I forgot the name of it. But look it up. It's 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 actually pretty good. So we eat dinner there, and then they bring you the bill. And on the bill it says, uh, "Hey, present this to the door people over at Sapphires, and you'll get in for free." Well, my wife, who has now already had a couple of margaritas, gets this idea like, "Oh, we're fucking doing this." And I here's me saying, "I don't think we should do this." <laughs> She's like, "No, no, no." gonna be fun let's just go there for like one drink and i'm like if you want a drink let's just get a drink at this bar here in this mexican restaurant she's like nope we gotta check it out so we go next door to sapphires and uh it was worth it for one reason so my wife and uh, my buddy's wife they go to the bar and they order two glasses of wine and then my wife comes back and she is livid. She's like, these two glasses of wine cost $45. What did she expect? Welcome to a fuck. Like it it never occurred to her. She had never paid for her own drink at a strip club ever. So she had no idea. This is what, that's what the going (laughs) rate is. Like my buddy, my buddy uh, and I were there and he had a couple of his friends. So he ended up buying, I think four shots and four beers and it cost him like $125, something absurd. You might as well get so a bottle at right that out point. of the, I mean, right out of the gate, everybody is, is furious. Then we're standing there, and I'm just watching, like, the girls on the stage dance. And these two – and I was just kind of by myself. So my buddy was talking to his friends, and my wife was talking to her friend. And then I'm just sort of standing there. And you know, Tony, 
like if you're a lone wolf at a strip oh. club, you are immediately a target. So these two strippers walk up to me and they're touching me and rubbing my arms and my chest. And they're trying to like lure me back for like a twofer in the back room, which is just going to end up being thousands of dollars. And, uh, and I'm like, no, it's, I'm, I'm fine. Really. I am. I'm fine. And they turn around and leave. And then I look and my wife is staring at me. She's so mad. And I'm like, what oh, no. the fuck did you think was going to happen here? Like, I don't know what, what idea of a strip club you had, but ladies will try to take your money and they're wearing their underwear while they do it. Anyway, long story short, that's the last time <laughs> yeah, I had been to a strip club. But it, uh, you know, it, it, it uh, I'm curious to go back. I was, uh, I was like, I wonder what the, I wonder maybe if I just flew to Australia and I went and checked one out there. Maybe yeah. that's the right move. I, I don't know where the strip club scene, what the strip club scene is like now. Of course, prostitution is legal in Melbourne and all of Australia. Oh, I think. Why bother? Like, why yeah, bother? I, I, I don't, don't know how popular strip clubs are these days. But if you want to get charged that much for cocktails, you can do that at any bar in Melbourne these days. Because uh, with our tax prices, uh, yeah, it's going to run you that deep in most places in Melbourne. Now, I had a 25-year school reunion the other day. I say school reunion, mm. in inverted commas. It was really a gathering of about 10 to 15 people <clears throat> in the area. Yeah. Well, it was actually a little bigger. It was about 25. But we, we went back to a mate's place after, and it was the first time I'd run into a real-life swinger since the This Ain't Iowa days. And oh, wow. Yeah. To uh, run into somebody that I went to school with, open swinger, and had all the fun party gear, if you know what I mean. It was. Really I don't know what you mean. What, what's the party gear? And they had okay. something that you enjoyed at a Taekwon occasionally, some white powdery substances. Okay. Oh wow. They just had it out. All the yes. party favors were out. They were out. Oh, that means they were. That means they were. Uh, they were on the prowl. Yes. They were open to it. <laughs> yes. And I, I found it really strange um, that they were doing this at a twenty-five year reunion. We are forty-two. We're all 42 or older, 44 if you're a little bit slow. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, really weird at, at this age to, like, use that as some something to sort of sway, like, as you into their, their sort of trap because they were definitely on the prowl. There were a couple of people that they were trying to pick off, a couple of um, single individuals. But, yeah, it was uh, something I hadn't seen in a long time and it was, uh, yeah, Interesting. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty hardcore. I, that and that even feels a little bit old school. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm yeah. a 44 year old man myself, and I have to like admit uh, that yeah, that's uh, that's some old guy shit. Like, um, did they were they wearing a robes? Did they come out of the bedroom <laughs> in like a robe? No, but it, <laughs> she definitely threw her fake boobs around the place. If you. Uh, didn't get oh, grazed God by them her. at some stage. You were doing something wrong. Wow. So, Tony, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, any cool stories to, to to share? Nope. I spent my time around the fire. I didn't get involved in any of that white powder bullshit. Wow. Do you know if anybody has stuck around after the party was over? I, I know one of my good good mates. Um, it was sort of 
inferred that that he was involved but i know for a fact he he wasn't involved there were just a couple of photos that were taken opportunistically but i wouldn't be surprised if somebody did but if they didn't well they've they've used a lot of money and drugs to to get nowhere in the end because they were definitely on from the moment they got at the party you could sort of tell that they were on the prowl wow that's uh that's hardcore i mean i didn't go to my 20-year reunion um you're not missing much now maybe i wish i maybe i wish i had because <laughs> i don't know although if, if it's anything like real high school for me like i would not have gotten invited to the orgy uh, and it just would have hurt my feelings. So it's probably better. Probably better that I didn't go. Yeah, they're a really weird thing. I, I think your 20 year is the most awkward. This 25 year one, it was like a mate con me, didn't con me into going. He's like, you can't back out. Um, I'm going. You're going. And I enjoyed hanging out with him. It's like, okay, worst comes to worst, I'll have two or three drinks and I'll leave. But it, it was kind of a good time. Everybody there. Um, was sort of happy where they were at life. But I think the 10-year is awkward. The 20-year is almost just as awkward. Uh, I think going forward, they'll be fine, but I think they'll be much smaller events. The people that really don't want to go won't go. And I I think I'm going to be in that group going forward because it, it was kind of weird, some of the behaviours. It's like, oh, you're still the same person after all these years. <sighs> Exactly. Uh, you know what? If I if I'm alive at the point where I hit like fiftieth, I'll go to the fiftieth. Because at that point, number one, everybody looks like shit. Like there's not there's just not a lot of hot sixty eight year olds. So uh, I'll go. Yeah, everyone will look terrible, and that to me is so uncomfortable. Like just because you're around people that you haven't seen since high school, you get this idea that like. It's cool. I can act like I did in high school, except you're almost 40. Like, yep. that's fucking embarrassing. And I don't need it. I know me. Like, I'm so desperate to be loved and to fit in. I could see myself doing something stupid. <laughs> uh, so I would just rather not be in that position. Yep. I, I get that totally. The interesting part was I met up with a guy that you would call it elementary school, but I only went to primary school with him. So um, kindergarten through um, year six, grade six, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I hadn't caught up with him since then. And he was great to catch up with and chat because we were really tight during those years. He went to a private school. I went to a public school. Um, but yeah, we, we sat and chatted for ages and that was a really <coughs> wow. good conversation. But, but most of the other people at high school that I wasn't friends with, there was a reason why I wasn't friends with them. And still to this day, there's a reason why we're acquaintances on Facebook, but nothing more than that. And that's not to say I mean, off, but I think who you are is who you are. You, you may change slightly, but there's, there's going to be no huge change at these reunions. You're not going to see somebody there and go, wow, you've changed your personality. They may look like train wrecks, but they're not going to be fundamentally different people. I'm glad you had a nice uh, exchange. So last time I went and did stand-up in my hometown of Tucson, I, uh, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll put it out on social media if anybody wants to come. And I had, like, my best friend from elementary school come out. And uh, it's really, because we were super close, but, you know, we we have both lived entire lives. Yep. Right? 
we have no knowledge of each other's lives. Like, I don't know anything about him. And so, like, what, what are we, reminiscing to some shit we did when we were 12? Like, remember we used to ride our bike and then we'd go play Street Fighter 2? And we're like, I, I guess. I'm married. I have three children. He's like, yeah, I'm divorced. I got two. I'm like, oh. Wow. So it sounds like we both did some shit after that Street Fighter 2 <laughs> match. Like, it's, it, it's, very, it's very uncomfortable for me. Fair enough. I, I can get that. But don't you at some point, this may sound offensive towards your wife, but it's not, it's not meant that way. While you're hitting so far above your weight, don't you kind of want to rub it in their faces? Because that, that, you know most of these people are not with somebody as attractive as your wife. So the answer is yes. The problem is because we have these children, my wife doesn't get to come to many of my shows. So oh, of, course. of course, of course, I like I would have I would parade her around in front of like sh- fucking everybody who you know thought it was a disaster in in grade school. But uh, it's oh she just walked by and she got all upset. <laughs> of course she did. Because one one time eight years ago I didn't introduce her to somebody she got upset. <laughs> She's upset. There was a girl that I I used to know, and she was, as my wife puts it, clearly hitting on me at the bar, and uh, I didn't immediately introduce her. So uh, she brings it up. So now we're getting the real story. This is like once a year. We're talking about showing you off in front of guys. This is a different story. This is a different story. I miss this. Talking about showing you off in front of guys show everybody how attractive my wife is you know you don't know how to take a compliment that's your problem (laughs) trying to say hey i have a hot wife i want to show her off she's like yeah but remember that time in 08 where uh (laughs) we were at obama's inauguration and you didn't hold my hand uh anyway Things are going great, is I guess the, the takeaway here. <laughs> now, you mentioned earlier that um, you, your main crust these days isn't stand-up comedy and you're actually, I'm sure, providing for your children or maybe your wife's doing all of that. What are you doing for a crust these days? So I, uh, as you know, for a while there, I, uh, I got a job working for a super shady like property management uh, and real estate company. Well, um, what ended up happening was the owners of that company moved, but they're like, hey, we want to keep doing business here. So, you know, do you just want to help run this business? And I'm like, I guess so. And so I ran shady uh, real estate and property management company for about five years. And then uh, a kind of said, hey, do you just want this business? Do you just want it? No I said, okay, so yeah, so now I own a slightly less shady real estate and property management company in Las Vegas. What makes it less shady? This is what I want to Well, make. I, uh, at the very least, I have all of the proper business licenses and real That's estate cool. licenses, all the shit you're really supposed to have. I'm not saying that the other guy didn't. I'm just saying I never saw them uh, <laughs> hanging around the office or anything. So I don't uh, I don't know that he did, but I have them all. 
So at least, uh, I'm uh, I'm paying proper taxes. Like I'm doing all the legal shit. Um, wow. Look at you. I also I also learned how to run the business from this fucking guy. So half the shit I might be doing is illegal and me not even know about it. But I don't think that's the case. Don't look me up and uh, report me. I think I'm above board. But yeah, so I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a small business owner these days. Excellent. So is that like in property management or are you a realtor or is it a combination of all that shit? It's, yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. So I, I manage about 80 or so properties and then I also can help people buy and sell properties. Uh, I also uh, I also have been shopping around and marketing my idea uh, for 30 days of karate. Uh, I live, <laughs> let people read my karate <laughs> journal. I'm sorry. Every time I come on this show, I want to make some reference to like that guy Rob, and he's such a sweet sweetheart, and I just want to shit on him every time. Uh, so that's it. Yeah, that's basically it. I'm uh, that, and as has always been the case for me, uh, my wife has a very good job. So uh, that's how that's how we get most of our stuff. <laughs> I wasn't asking how you got most of your stuff. I I just thought oh. because you only have like one hobby, you must be filling your time with like a job and and kids of course. Yeah, but like I a, do. Yeah, a job that actually takes time and yeah, you can't think about stand up all day every although, day. Although although not as much time as you'd think. That's what I learned about running this business. I'm like, yeah. Really only I, – I think most people who work in like an office know this. Like you only really work work two to three hours a day and then the rest of the time, you're just fucking filling time. It's yep. not any different for me. Uh, I'm, I'm really just – there's a lot of me if – I, if I didn't stretch out all the shit I had to do in a day, I could probably knock out about 10.30 or 11 every single morning. <laughs> yeah. But do you really want to? Like, no, no, I don't. That's the key. That's why I stretch it out. I don't want to. Otherwise, I got to come home. Uh, I got to clean shit. I got to, you know, be a better parent. And I'm not looking to do any of that. No, you, you don't want to be doing that. But it sounds like you uh, have moved on and are not looking to get back in the podcasting game. Which, in some respects, I can, I can, I can say, well done. You're over your addiction. But it's also disappointing because we have had some great times and, and this hour is a great example of that. I've had a great time. Yeah, I, 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 I do apologize to like your fan base because I feel like this is not the nonsense they tune in for. This is true. Uh, but I've had, I've had a great time catching up with you and uh, every now and then like I do miss it because there, there is just some, you know, there's some shit that just happens in my life and there's not an outlet for me to, yep. you know tell everybody about it so I, I do miss it sometimes but i also don't know that i would be able to do it uh like a reasonable person right <laughs> it's like a guy that's gone to rehab and they're like no i could still like do a little bit of coke sometimes but they're like really you can't um <laughs> so I, I i worry about that i do worry about that but i uh listen i might i might hit you up one day um well, and uh what I would say is you're kind of like the Stevo in this situation. You've hit rock bottom. You okay. know your limits. You're sure. not Bam Margera. I'm sure I'm the only oh, one that gets that, that reference. But oh, I I know what you're talking about. Or Bam, yeah. Yeah, out of out of all the dudes, you really thought it would have been Stevo. That that. Like, yeah, he he was certainly he was certainly uh, you know looks like he was. 
it's all it's also a little bit sad because oh very sad. he's just like a middle-aged he's a middle-aged dude he's a vegan he doesn't drink or do drugs anymore like <laughs> he should have just gone the margera route i don't know i don't know but who's who's sadder to look at like steve who's become this this motivational speaker kind of dude who still has fun but obviously not as much fun as he used to or bam who looks like he's having no fun bam is a nightmare i do feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah, I do feel bad for him, especially since somehow that motherfucker Johnny Knoxville keeps making films, and you can't have like Fat Bam in your in your movie. Like, no one wants to see that guy. <laughs> he's so sad looking. Uh, yeah. So he's left a lot of money on the table as well. Yeah, that that was shocking when I found out about that because like. I only watch those films if they, they come across my screen somewhere. It's not like I'm seeking out Jackass stuff and popped up on YouTube the other day and it's like Steve-O and Bam get together and chat in the first time in a while. I'm like, okay. And then Bam pops on screen and it doesn't look like Bam. No, no. That's no. A, no. Listen, that's, that's why I don't go to my 20-year reunion because I don't need people. I didn't look great back then, but. I don't need people, uh, you know, comparing me to, to now. Oh, come um, on. It's, it, 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 you know what? Actually, I don't think anyone would be, would be surprised. I just kind of look like a fast-forward version of myself yes. then. As opposed to people that were super attractive then that are messes now. That is that is one of the things that I'm most proud of. Like, I will never – time is undefeated, right? Like, it will fuck you up. doesn't matter what kind of shape you were in. Like, eventually you're going to be a fucking mess. Can you imagine how hard it has to be for some of these guys to look at high school pictures of themselves? And be like, oh, man, I had a six-pack. I was fucking ripped. I used to play Dave Matthews songs on my acoustic with my shirt off. Not me, baby. I uh, I have always had a version of this exact same body that I've got right now. And uh, and it doesn't really hurt that much. Yep. No, that, that, that was the interesting thing. I've, I've got... Somebody at the reunion that almost made it to the AFL and he's now in like a really working class job and it's like, oh, you're just a dude around town now. You didn't make it. Just to the a levels. dude. Just a dude. Uh, but then like this primary school dude that I met up with, it's like, yeah, I, I, I finished high school. I graduated and I fell into a job and that's what I've been doing my entire life. I, I just smoke weed yeah. and, and I'm a surveyor. <laughs> it's like, good for you. You, you knew your place back then. You're not like some of these guys that, that tried to make the big time. Listen, not everybody is going to win a fucking Grammy. Somebody's got to, like, you know, be the hostess at the Red Robin. And uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Just stop setting your sights so high. Yep. Anyway. All right. Listen, I, I, I have enjoyed this. I have enjoyed this catch-up with you, buddy. And I, I would like to do it more often. Okay, we'll, we'll work out something off air, but I've got to wrap up today's show. So let me get through that. We can uh, get you on your way so your wife doesn't Before get too it. mad at you. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll survive. We're, we're, about, to, we're, about, to have an ar- we're about to have an argument about some shit that happened six years ago. So I, I, I'm fine hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay. If you want to send us an email, you can do that at beerengineshow at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, beer, at beerenginepod. Always got to put that at symbol on. Uh, if you want to hang out at our Discord, you can message us through any of those methods to get on. 
or you can give us a tip and that way you don't have to interact with us. We'll just send you the link and that is ko-fi.com forward slash beer engine podcast. Man, it was great hanging out with you. Do you think you will Too be buddy. alive after recording today's show once your wife is finished with you? Sure. And hey, who knows? Maybe I'll be in the market for another three-day-a-week podcast because I'll be divorced. We'll see. Anything uh, could happen. Good stuff. You know what? I've got all these tunes, but I have no ending song. So we just awkwardly end like this. <laughs>